This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. traveling to another country and you loved playing this instrument and your family enjoyed playing it so your wife and your children all had an instrument just like this and you traveled to a far-off remote island where the culture was completely and entirely different than the culture that you were familiar with and as you walked up on this island you saw groups of Christians who were looking at you with strange faces and pointing at you. And you realized that they were pointing at this instrument. And so you asked somebody, what's wrong? What, why are these people looking at me? And they pointed over to this other group of people. And you look over here and you see a group of people who are playing this instrument as they're sacrificing another human being. And you look all around the island, and all you see of the Christian crowd are people who despise this instrument. But you see a group of people who love this instrument who are killing other people. What would you do? Likely, if you're like me, you would realize that this instrument is offensive to this culture. And you would take this instrument and you would lock it up and put it in your hotel room never to bring it out again while you're on that specific island. This happened to the Apostle Paul. You see, 1 Corinthians 11 is a scripture that many Christians study from the surface without closely studying Paul's background for why he made these recommendations for women's hair coverings. It's the only part of the Bible that we find this. And it's partly because the Jewish custom 
that Paul was familiar with included the shaving of women's heads during the times of mourning. And this seems to defy Paul's statements. And it's confusing to the average follower. But this is partly because of Paul's last statement of the, the section of chapter that deals with the hair. He says, We have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. So today we're going to examine Paul's last statements as compared to the ancient city of Corinth. Religious cults, like we have today, are nothing new. Often we find elements in modern cults that are contained within these ancient religious cults that were pagan worship to Baal. And often we find scriptural topics that apply to a specific situation or an isolated incident or an isolated group that is being reused again today to apply to the entire masses. <clears throat> it's being reused, but sadly, it's being reused where there's very little or no relevance. You see, Corinth was a focal point of the worship of the god Dionysus. This was the god of wine, of ecstasy, of ritual madness. Dionysus translated means the god who comes, because he was an outsider god in Greek mythology. Dionysus was the only god with a mother who was mortal. And the mother is the focal point. You see, in religious rituals, Dionysus followers, the women, practiced the Dion Dionysian mysteries, which were rituals that invoked a hypnotic state which frees the mind from its normal state to allow religious ecstasy. This is what commonly you would refer to today as a trance. Once the group of followers, specifically the women, entered into this state, that's when began the sacrifice and the sexual orgies that were all associated with this pagan religious system, this pagan cult. And Maenads, female followers of Dionysus, had long flowing hair that was kept wrapped up on their heads with large hairpins through them, just like the Pentecostal or Branham cult women of today. And during these rituals, the women would pull the hairpin out and let their long hair flow unkempt. And while in this hypnotic state, these maenads would begin uncontrollable sexual activities. They would hunt down and kill animals with their bare hands by ripping the flesh apart. And even humans, they would tear the flesh apart of humans and rip out the heart and other organs. In Corinth, it was a hotbed of the followers of Dionysus. Paul did not want the early Christians to continue this practice. And this was a very popular cult. And many of the early followers of Christ in Corinth would have either had experience with or would have been a part of the cult of Dionysus. But Paul, who had no such custom as this, who had no such false god in his history with the Jews, Paul realized that it's time 
to make a change. Even though it's not a part of his culture, his custom, it's time to make a change. It's time to put things aside for the bettering and the progression of the church. Paul said that any woman who lets her hair down to pray or to prophesy dishonors her head. Letting her hair down for religious experience was strictly forbidden to separate themselves from the ways of the religious cult. Paul was also familiar with the Jewish custom of women who would shave their heads because he had been among the Jews. It, it was strictly looked down upon by the Greeks. He told the Corinthians that while they looked down on the Jews for shaving their head, he said it, it was similar to them because it was a tradition that was had nothing to do with your salvation. Whenever they pulled their hair out, the hairpin out, and their hair flowed down, he said what they were doing was no better than the Jews that they despised. But the people of Corinthians ridiculed the Jews for their short hair. If a wife does not keep her hair pinned up and keep her head covered, then Paul said that these women should have her hair cut or shorn, as it says in the King James Version. But this was also frowned upon by the Corinthian women, who kept the long flowing hair. Paul said that since it was disgraceful for a wife to cut her hair short, then they should keep it pinned up. The women of Corinth looked down upon the short hair because when a woman shaved her head, the hair continues to grow, and there comes a point when the hair is short. And it was very easy to identify the women who shaved their heads because if their hair was very short like this, they knew that they were among the Jews. This teaching, according to Paul, was not required by the Christian churches of Christ. Jewish people had no such custom or practice similar to the Maenads. Paul says, neither do the churches of God. When we read the the, the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 11, the whole chapter that applies to the hair. And when we apply the culture that Paul was speaking to, combined with the scripture, the two fit together like a glove, and it seems much different than what we were taught in the cult. Paul says, Now I commend you because you remember me in everything, and you maintain the traditions even as I have delivered them to you. In other words, you've done very well for yourselves, holding on to the traditions that I bring from the Jews. But there's a better way. There's more that you should know. Remember, traditions are what got the Jews into trouble in the first place. He said, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. How does that fit with your oneness theology? Every man who prays or prophesies with his head uncovered dishonors his head, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. Now, the men had the cloaks that they would pull down over their heads, and the women would pull the pin out and their hair would flow down. And the men had already changed. Paul says, the man who prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. 
But he's saying, take it a step farther now. The women, when you pull that hairpin out and your hair is long and unkempt, he says you're just as bad as the Jews that you condemn with their shaven heads. As I said, Jewish tradition included the shaving of heads during mourning, and it's women I'm speaking of. Women shaved their heads to show their sorrow. The Gentiles looked down on this practice, and they did not understand the traditions of these shaven women because it was unfamiliar to them. They were of an entirely different culture. Paul said that when the women let their hair down, it was no different than the culture that they frowned on the culture where the women shaved their heads. He says, For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. And in the King James Version, it says shorn. And there we have it. Why is this one single verse overlooked in the cult? If the woman does not keep her hair up, then cut it off. <laughs> That's... The words of Paul. He says, cut it short. Do not let it flow down like the other Gentiles who are practicing idolatry and human sacrifice and sexual orgies. He says, do not let it flow like the Branham churches, like the cult. Just as Paul said, what you're doing is just as bad as those guys. But see, the problem is this. The Gentiles, like I said, frowned on the women with the long hair. This meant that they'd recently shaved their heads. And if the women had not shaved their heads in the Jewish culture, in the, the Christian churches, if they'd not shaved their head, then their hair would have remained long and they would have gone unnoticed in Corinth. Which means that there were Jews in the Christian churches who cut their hair. And not just cut their hair, they shaved their heads completely bald. Paul says, but, speaking to this culture, he says, but, since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair, or to shave her head, then let her cover her head. For if a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. In other words, your wife is a glory to you. Don't let her pull that hairpin out and let her hair flow. Now the next part of this chapter is taken grossly out of context. Paul says, For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Eve was made from a rib. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. She was made to be a helper. That is why a wife ought to have the symbol of authority over her head, because of the angels. So again, I'm going to ask you this question. Why snip out this portion of scripture to take it out of context? Why do you read this chapter without reading the very next verse? Nevertheless, in the Lord, Woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. The two must be together for the race to continue. For as a woman is made from man, now so now a man is born of a woman. And he says, all things are from God. 
Paul does not preach a chauvinistic ministry. Paul preaches equality. Now just imagine the small group of Christians that were living among the pagans, among the worshipers of this false god, and imagine the women of that culture letting their hair down, placing themselves under the spirit of Satan to rip off the flesh of humans and animals. Do you think it would be considered righteous to identify yourself with those worshipers of Baal? These were not Christians among Christians who were separating themselves as the little bride. These were Christians separating themselves from the pagan church. They were becoming a different people. And away from women, ironically, they were distancing themselves away from women who had long hair. It's a paradox. They were, they were taking themselves away from people who looked like the cult of William Branham does today. Paul says, judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? He says, does not nature itself teach you that man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? He says, but if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. He says, for her hair is given to her for a covering. So, in other words, the hair is for a covering. Keep it up. Don't be like these people who are sacrificing other people. But then he ends with this verse, which is another one taken and just completely taken out of the theology. He says, if anyone is inclined to be contentious. He said, if anyone disagrees with this. Paul likely knew that these letters were going to go to not just the entire world, but the entire history of the world. If anyone disagrees with this, Paul says, we, the Jews, have no such practice. But then he says this, nor do the churches of God. The churches of God do not have women who are pulling their hairpin out, letting their long hair flow, and tearing the flesh off of animals, and having sexual orgies, and sacrificing human beings. He says, the churches of God do not have this practice. So ask yourselves this. If a Branham cult church were to be transported back in time, and somehow managed to be placed directly among the early church in Corinth, what would happen? Would Paul enter the congregation and see all of these Branham cult women with their long flowing hair? Would he condemn them for having their hair down just like the people of that day? It's a strange question. He says that we have no such culture, but this culture does. So if a Branham cult church were be to stuck back in time like this, do you think that they would be walking through and other Christians would look at them and scorn at their long hair. Obviously, some women keep it up, but what about the ones with it down? Do you think they would suddenly feel despised and rejected and pull their hair up like all the other women of Corinth? Would Paul enter the congregation and condemn them for letting their hair down? Would he speak to their pride 
and their selfishness. This is a group of Christians in Corinth who despised the traditions of the Jews, even the Jewish Christians who shaved their heads. So we've got a Christian church looking down on another Christian church in Paul's ancient history. And then we've got a Branham Colt church looking down at all the other Christian churches for their hair. And the strange part of this scenario, the irony is that the very ones that they're looking down upon are the ones that would have been the righteous in Paul's day. Think of that. Because these people were looking down at the other people for shaving their heads, and the very ones that had the long hair are the ones that were participating in sexual orgies and human sacrifice. It's ironic that Paul condemned the very thing that we would see if we entered a Branham cult church today. Women with long hair letting their hair down while their heads are uncovered and they're worshiping. It's a paradox. Oh.